0: This is The Hard Truth, Tony Schaefer, powered by Sig Sauer. Never settle. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the best. The best is Sig Sauer. I still carry Sig. I recommend you all carry Sig as well. We are on the America Out Loud talk radio network, also available on the America Out Loud podcast network. Check us out, Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.net, and projectsentinel.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, etc., etc. And today we are joined uh, to talk about the Hamas attack, uh, Ambassador Aharoni, Ido Aharoni, Ambassador, welcome to the hard truth. Thank you for having me. So the Ambassador was the Council General uh, in uh, the United Nations, I believe, uh, for the Israelis from 2010 to 2016. Is that correct?
1: I was in New York, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, and then you have an extensive background, so just go ahead and let the audience uh, know uh, everything you did. So I I don't
1: butcher it. Well, you know, I've spent most of my uh, public career as a diplomat working for the Israeli government. Yeah. Uh, my entire diplomatic career was in the United States. And, um, and today I have my own consultancy and I work with the global companies. Uh, but the most important thing to know about me is today I'm the father of a young Israeli res- reservist. My youngest son was uh, recruited to the army and he's right now uh, right there. Where the action is, and we will pray for our safety. So,
0: first off, let me uh, say formally, uh, I, I uh, my condolences for your loss, for your, for your people's loss, for the attack. Um, I am in Thank full you. sympathy Thank with, you so much. with you. No, I. I um, Thank this you. is this is clearly a, a version, your version of nine eleven. Just the, the the number of losses, based on your population, your losses are far greater than ours mm-hmm. from nine eleven, and. Uh, Ambassador, just so you know, I mean, I believe, uh, you know, this is this was pure evil. Uh, There's no other way to describe it. And any civilized person who doesn't seem to understand that uh, a civilized uh, people uh, does not assassinate babies, they do not uh, rape and, and take women prisoner. These things are beyond the pale, and so I, I do believe, based on the people I've spoken to. I live in rural North Carolina, and I talked to a lot of folks. Based on my national security stuff, I've been doing back-to-back interviews on this topic for the past three days. The American people are with you, and I think that uh, uh, God bless you. God bless your son. Uh, I, I think he's going to be seeing combat very soon, based on everything I'm seeing, and I think it's going to be a righteous fight that you guys must. Uh, you must punish Hamas to the level that they never dare do anything again. And that may be, those may be harsh words, but it is the way I I believe we should proceed.
1: Yeah, well, I don't think it's a these are not harsh words, at least not to the ears of Israelis that woke up on October 7th, Uh, the worst day in Jewish history since the Holocaust. Right, where uh, we were caught by surprise, but when you look at the number of guns that they brought with them, the amount of ammunition they brought with them, clearly they were planning to kill thousands of people, and Mm -hmm. that music festival that happened in the forest that day, you know, their original plan was to attack on October 6th, which would have been exactly 50 years to the 73 war. They moved it one day once they discovered that there is a a music festival in the forest with thousands of young people that came to celebrate peace and so they brought three thousand guns with them can you imagine the they could have killed each and every one of them um and thank god they didn't but that was the plan so obviously you're not dealing with um, anything that we've seen before you know in in that sense it's a deadly ideology hatred just as al-qaeda inflicted harm on you and 9-11 just because mm-hmm. of what you represent. It has nothing to do with what you do. It's, right. it's, it's about what you stand for, who you are, that they, they don't like. So this is the
0: grand irony, and, and please take this the way I mean it. The kibbutz, the idea of having communities which live in peace, that's wonderful. We, you know, We have Quakers here who live with their little buggies and everything, uh, and they do well they they have their own faith they have their own independence the problem is this they exist as a as sheep in a world of wolves and i'd like to believe people will learn a lesson about this where i'm i'm sorry to see 25 settlements at least i was told about 25 settlements were wiped off the face of the earth by this pure evil um, i think people sometimes are too naive to think that Oh everything's been quiet for a while everything everything's just fine do you think there was a an artificial lull or a, a, i mean how how is it these people were just so naive to the threats that were around them that that, that resulted in their whole community basically the loss of life was was humongous because yeah they were so they were naive th- to the threat
1: yeah so a few things um, about that so first of all the kibbutz is a is a way of life the uh, kibbutzim uh, have not been cooperatives for decades now but the kibbutzim actually were known for their militarism and the kibbutzim movement produced some of the most uh, decorated military heroes in Israel's history until this very day by the way Uh, so it's not naivete that was the problem, the problem was we had two problems, one was conceptual and the other one was operational, the conceptual problem was that what we call the Netanyahu doctrine was based on the idea that in order to avoid the need to discuss territorial compromise in the West Bank, Mm -hmm. we need to somehow contain, if not cultivate, Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Ah. And that meant to allow Qatar to transfer tens of millions of dollars every month in cash to Hamas. uh, And that allowed, uh, and that meant not to bring to an end the rule of Hamas in Gaza. Let me remind our listeners that the rule of Hamas in Gaza started because of the United States administration pushing us for elections. And those elections brought Hamas to power in uh, 2006, in January of 2006. And I remember even former President Jimmy Carter came to be the observer. So that was the failure of that Netanyahu doctrine is the reason why we had this surprise. Operationally, the problem was the response time of the army. Usually, we can count on the response time. So even where I live, I live very close to Palestinian villages, and Mm -hmm. if this could have happened here. And so my, you know, the whole idea of me living here is based on a reasonable response time. If something, God forbid, happens, I'm counting on the Israeli army law enforcement to respond in a timely fashion. That did not happen on October 7th, and we'll be investigating as to why it didn't happen. Right. And that's the main reason why we suffered such a major blow. So on that line of thinking
0: regarding the failure of response, and more importantly, I'm an intelligence guy. So we as intelligence guys always look at what we call indications and warning, uh, basically trying to figure out if hostilities are about to happen. Obviously, we still have people standing on watch and, South Korea looking at North Korea. We have people in great operations centers in Hawaii looking at China. Uh, We still have people in NORAD looking at Russian rockets, trying to figure out if something's going to be launched on us. So we spent a lot of time as Americans looking at this. There's been times we've missed the boat, 9-11 being one of them, Pearl Harbor. But in this case, it seems like the, the appearances, some things did not go well. And let me walk through a couple of those the first day of the attacks on the 7th 5000 rockets were fired by hamas into the israeli territory bulldozers were staged along the wall to do the breakouts these paragliders were prepared in mass i mean there's pictures uh, as you know ito of uh, them flying in formation towards the concert you just alluded to uh, these are these are these are no small uh, uh, failure these are pretty big misses uh, any thoughts on what you're going to, you all are going to find when it comes to how Hamas was able to kind of avoid or overcome the surveillance mechanisms that
1: you all have established regarding early warning? So the th- there's no doubt in my mind that there's going to be a serious investigation after this. Uh, we have a tradition when something of that caliber happens, when a mishap of, of biblical proportions happens, yeah. we usually have an independent investigative committee mm-hmm. that will have the power to overthrow a leader, as yeah. they did after the 1973 surprise. And this was a bigger surprise than 73. Right. So, Mr. Netanyahu will have to do some <clears throat> tough explaining um, as to why the military forces were diverted from Gaza to the West Bank, and why he, um, according to the reports that we. Received both from American politicians as well as from the Egyptians. He was warned by the Egyptians and he claims that he wasn't. This all will be investigated. right? But that doesn't justify the fact that when this thing happened, there were not enough forces. Uh, We were outnumbered. And that was the main reason for this colossal outcome. Mm -hmm. We were outnumbered. We're talking about thousands of Palestinian terrorists. In the beginning, they broke the, the barrier. And, right. Uh, they brought in only 65 people. But then, all in all, we're talking about thousands of people. Some of them were not even armed. They came as drivers. They had everything prepared. They had the vehicles. They had everything prepared. So their I've plan seen- was much more ambitious, by the way, than what they ended up achieving. Oh, no, I get that. I, I, I've just seen some, hor- some horrific
0: images of your soldiers murdered at those checkpoints i mean it's just atrocious what i've seen and, and just and that's not the only place but let's break that down a little bit
1: um, by the way 90% of the fatalities are civilian
0: yes i know and that's one of the things i'd like to cover in a little bit more detail but do, i'm going to say this and i don't i hope you don't get upset with me do you see a, a hand of a foreign power behind all of this and and again smuggling in five thousand rockets smuggling in all the equipment necessary to conduct this attack it seems to me a nation state must have had some role in helping hamas prepare for this
1: oh yeah of course we know it's iran behind the whole thing yeah iran is the mastermind we know the iranian playbook the iranian playbook is to start with a surprise then drag israel into a ground invasion Let Israel exhaust all of its energy in the ground invasion. Then have Israel attacked from the north by Hezbollah, which President Biden warned yesterday. Uh, Then you'll have Iranian-backed armed militias in Syria from the Golan Heights. You'll have in the West Bank Islamists, and they're counting. We know that the Iranians are counting on Arab Israelis, meaning Israeli citizens who politically and ideologically identify with Hamas. And we also know that they've been trying to recruit them and and work with them. So Iran has been very active. Uh, It's no secret that there has been a great deal of um, tension between Israel and Iran ever since the Iranians started to accelerate uh, their nuclear program. And Israel's strategic goal is to prevent them from having a nuclear bomb.
0: And we share that. We share that. So I would argue, um, I don't know how you feel about this, but um, the Saudis have already paid for their nuclear weapons. They're sitting in a warehouse in Ruopende and they have uh, Chinese rockets that can deliver them. So the, the Sunni already have their weapon. Uh, and I don't. And I think it's amply clear they're not gonna use it. They, they, they intend to only use that or put it together, bring the pieces down from Pakistan and and mount them to the thing if if iran develops a weapon i don't want to comment on any other weapons other than my belief is if the iranians get a weapon and make it viable and usable you're going to see an arms race and you guys have the potential of being caught in the middle of it and it's not a good idea so i I think the united states at least the people i deal with most of the folks from the trump administration and some the reagan folks i still am friends and mentors with recognize Iran with a nuclear weapon is 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 not a good idea. And let's talk about the Iranians and their goals. Um, a lot of people were critical, you know, when um, President Trump assassinated back in, uh, what was it? Let me look at the date here, January 20, uh, 2020 uh, uh, of um, Soleimani, uh, one of the IRGC leaders. And uh, at the time, I was all for the assassination, by the way the Iranians not only have troubled you and have intention of murdering you and your people, they're not fond of us either. And I know for a fact, when I was in Afghanistan, when I wrote my book, Operation Dark Heart, I reflected on the accurate fact that uh, Soleimani and the IRGC was actually funding in 2003, some of the initial insurgents against us, the United States and Afghanistan. Not only did they attack us, they went on to Iraq and did things there. Obviously, uh they are a force of evil so when president trump assassinated soleimani based on his acts of evil everybody on uh, and, and on the political left here in the united states said oh this is just going to embolden the iranians to become more aggressive it didn't it was the opposite i think trump had the right idea to personalize uh this issue to say to the iranian leaders you do something that is evil, you will be held accountable, as in you will be targeted. It seems that since then, the Biden administration has the opposite view. As a matter of fact, Jake Sullivan just recently said he sees the Middle East as something to be, quote unquote, integrated. Uh, I don't know about you, you know, I don't think you guys want to be integrated into something the Biden administration wants to push you all into. And I think that's a very dangerous, naive view of the Middle East. So, I, I, yeah. how, how do you feel about this idea that you need to be integrated into this larger construct of of, of Western hegemony that uh, the Biden administration seems to be pushing right now?
1: Yeah, and I'm assuming that uh, Mr. Sullivan said it in the context of the talks between the United States and Saudi Arabia about peace with Israel.
0: Well, and, he meant it uh, with the Iranians, issue, I think. Yeah, the problem is yeah. he wants the Iranians to be part of that construct, which I don't think I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Well, again, depends on how feasible it is, how doable it is to bring about a regime change in Iran. Uh, we had, I say we, the West, had a golden opportunity post-9-11 to attack Iran and actually punish Iran, which is the ideological mother of al-Qaeda. And um, and we didn't do it. And right. so, um, so that now we, we're facing this situation. So integrating israel into the middle east i'm assuming the the intent is to talk about a series of normalization agreements now absolutely here's the thing here's the thing in theory it's a good idea to eliminate the veto power that the world especially the europeans gave to the Palestinians on normalization with Israel. That's why the Abraham Accords were so important. Right. And that's why the current administration is pushing so hard for the Saudi deal. However, the Palestinian motivation, especially Hamas, is to inject themselves into the conversation by doing what they did on October 7th. Absolutely. And I don't know if they understand it. Most likely, they're going to be the first victims of their own success meaning we just formed a a national unity government in Israel a couple of Mm. hours ago. where the leaders of the opposition are joining the coalition and together they'll be making decisions. Um, They're more likely to decide on a goal which would be meaningful, profound, and perhaps will change the Middle East, which is to, to end the rule of Hamas in Gaza. Now that requires a great deal of effort. It will take a very long time. We will definitely need the United States on our side, especially mm-hmm. on the side of ammunition and and um, sophisticated weaponry. If the Israeli government will decide to end the rule of Hamas, this will be a long term goal. Could take years, and, and we will accomplish it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that will change the Middle East. So you guys have been much more
0: willing to take risks in this endeavor than I think has been acknowledged. I hope you don't mind me saying, you know, I spent some time in Egypt after Al-Sisi had the coup uh, and was moving Egypt in a direction that was, I think, positive to this day, I think it's positive. But, um, at the time, uh, Egypt, 2020, uh, 20, 2013, 2014 huge economic challenges. One of the things that the Israelis did and never got credit for because there was fear that the Arab communities within Egypt would be upset is you won't help them economically. There was actually aid packages quietly being transferred from you all, from the Israelis to the Egyptians. You helped save Egypt. So to me, the goodwill that you showed in a time you didn't have to, this is one of those great gifts that I think your perspective, and I'll I'll say that as, as, as clearly as I can. You guys had shown, you showed mercy to a former enemy. You did. It, it, you, you did it with immense grace. I Again, I witnessed this firsthand, so it's not like I, I don't know this. You didn't have to do that. You did, though. Yeah. You didn't right. have to. You, you you strengthened someone who was formerly one of the participants, as you just said, in the Yom Kippur 73, they were one of the big participants. But you you showed grace. And I believe you guys have been devoted much more directly than people understand to bringing stability to the region through economic uh, uh, cooperation. So kudos to you. Ambassador, you know, again, I, you. I think it was, it was amazing. And you guys don't get enough credit for that. As a matter of fact, uh, it's something that I find uh, amazing. But that's the thing. You've, you've been committed to this path of peace and integrating uh, your interest with the interest of your Arab uh, Alli- well, they're becoming your allies now because they've seen the benefit of having an, an, an integrated solution. Unfortunately, I just don't think that the Iranians are going to do anything except try to, to, to prevent that from happening and therefore the timing of this attack. Would you agree
1: with that? Absolutely. I agree. I agree that Iran is playing a very negative role in the region and beyond. And of course, the um, it's the interest of the entire international community to make sure that they don't gain access to a nuclear weapon. Right, uh, But again, we'll have to wait and see what the Israeli government decides because what Israel will decide will um, will be a key factor in the shaping of the Middle East after this event. So
0: I know you're very positive about Biden President Biden's comments in his speech yesterday, and I, I appreciate that. But there's been some larger things they've done, I think, to destabilize the region and make the Israelis more vulnerable. One of those is negotiating and providing $6 billion to the uh, Islamist regime in Tehran. Now um, everybody keeps saying to include John, my friend, John Kirby. I know John. Oh, they couldn't have used that money. It's not been released. It, I don't think it matters. I think it's a psychological effect of knowing that in the prisoner swap, not only did they swap five prisoners, they get six million dollars. Um, do you do you believe that the Biden administration is going to take a step back and examine how, in many ways, I think they're actually helping to solidify a path of a nuclear weapon for Iran rather than preventing it? Or, or, or am I am I wrong in my assessment on that?
1: Yeah, well, you have you know it's like with the uh, commitment that the uh, former President Obama made in 2013, he said if uh, chemical weapons were used by Assad against his own people, that's a red line and there'll, mm-hmm. there'll be repercussions and so on. And then he ended up doing nothing. And right. Shortly thereafter, uh, Putin invaded Crimea 2014 and then the rest is history as we say. Right. So here you're, uh, you're looking at different situation because you have um, Americans who died and you have, according to my numbers, 14 American hostages. Right. That makes it, and not America's not the only country involved. Germany and Argentina also uh, represented. in the- it, in, it, There's Italian prisoners too, apparently. And Italian. So it becomes an American issue. So whether, you know, the problem that we have is that the American public opinion is very much against, you know, what was the argument that they made against Obama's intention to attack in Syria in 2013, is that you promised no boots on the ground. We say, wait a second. It is possible to attack without boots on the ground. As yep. you mentioned, Reagan, as the United States did in Libya back in the day, in other right. parts of the world. It is possible to respond militarily without putting boots on the ground. Right. Uh, but the American sensitivity is very high to this issue, after years and years and years of military presence in iraq and afghanistan mm-hmm. so you know it's and it's a decision for the americans to make i can tell you we don't have that sensitivity because we live in a different neighborhood right? and we we must especially now we must restore deterrence and we must protect ourselves
0: the i'm with you on and 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 i i get the whole boots on the ground thing you know i i sympathize with the fact that There's going to be things that you have to do as a nation that that are going to be less than popular eventually. I mean, right now you have the initiative. You should take it. There are going to be elements of our society who are are going to be critical. I mean, it's inevitable. And look, I listened to BBC yesterday uh, as I was driving, and they're already trying to say, oh, the Israelis should show restraint. Really? So it's inevitable, unfortunately, you're going to have this discussion point. I think it's uh, ill-advised, and especially with the British with the BBC, I I was shocked that within less than 72 hours of these tragic events, they're already trying to say, oh, there needs to be proportionality. It's like, I don't think so. And I think a lot of folks are going to be on your side. But with that said, this nuclear issue, this nuclear issue is something that takes on a life beyond the region. Um, Yeah, there's no doubt that the United States. And by the way, I don't think you want U.S. boots on the ground. Everything I've, my experience in dealing with your military, is that no? Just give us support, uh, be a good friend, uh, work together in areas of interest such as Egypt and and Jordan. As as you know, we have elements in both Jordan and Egypt which are available, which is fine, right? You know, they're they're there to help, but it's not our job to do your job. Our job is to allow you to do your job. Would that is that an accurate kind of representation of I think everybody's mutual interest on this? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: And so that's the way we should work as, 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 as friends and allies. So um, next 72 hours, I've gone on the record in several interviews saying I think it's inevitable you're going to see a ground campaign. The first priority is obviously when you bring people in, you got to muster them. I'm a retired officer. You know, people have been drinking beer and eating pretzels. you got to get their mind right to get them back in uniform, focus them on, on the task at hand. So they're getting the folks ready, the mustering, uh, and then you've got to do what you can to ass- assess where everybody's, uh, where these hostages are at. I think I'd like to believe they're going to launch special operations within the next 24 hours to try to rescue those who they can and determine where they're at before ground operations start. But I think, and I like to, I don't know if this is aspirational or my, my assessment, but I think we're going to see a significant op- a combat operation commence before the end of the week. Uh, regarding offensive operations into Gaza. I'm not asking you to comment. I'm simply saying I think uh, it's inevitable that you're going to see an effective ground force launch in and, and it should happen. What are your thoughts on what should happen regarding the ground force going into Gaza once it happens?
1: So first of all, the, we need to, you know, there's several types of, um, of ground operations. Right. Um, the question is whether the stated goal would be to free the hostages it could also have a different stated goal to reoccupy gaza which is something that most israelis will be very much against um the government will have to take this into consideration Mm -hmm. what is the what is it that the israeli public would be willing to tolerate because ground operation also means hundreds of dead soldiers right and um, and again, after this uh, really traumatic October seventh, um, we're not sure that this is what the Israeli public can handle. So those those are the things that decision makers will have to keep in mind. Um, I think that we're more likely to see some ground operation. I don't think that uh, the reoccupation is Gaza uh, of Gaza is on the table. Uh, that's my opinion. Uh, but there'll be there'll be a, uh, some operation on the ground. Um, but I believe that um, the way to release the hostages goes through um, a deal. They'll have to make a deal with them, as we've done before. Um, and that's some sometimes these are the prices that you have to make. In fact, Prime Minister Netanyahu is the prime minister who signed uh, the largest deal ever uh, when we released for one Israeli soldier. Uh, almost 1,100 uh, Palestinian I remember uh, that. prisoners. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. so, so, uh, so now there's a, there's a deal on the table. And and now, by the way, another recommendation that came from one of the former leaders of the IDF is to uh, create a manufactured humanitarian crisis in Gaza. And the purpose of this humanitarian humanitarian crisis is to motivate the, the Hamas leadership to release the prisoners. And how do you um, create a manufactured humanitarian crisis by cutting them off, right. from everything and anything—energy, electricity, food, medical supplies, anything and everything? Yeah. And just—and um, that's that's um, that's another scenario that is probably being discussed right now um, in Jerusalem.
0: But what w- will you tolerate the continued? use of terror by hamas and they're they're using rockets launching rockets into to your territory
1: do you think that's going to be something that is finally no this is over no this is good this is going to be this going to be different because you have to understand this is israel was indirectly talking to hamas and mr netanyahu's mistake was that he thought that hamas could be contained it's a historical mistake that will cost him his legacy it's an historical mistake that will probably cost him his job. It's an historical mistake that cost us the worst event since the Holocaust. Israelis are angry, very angry, very, very angry. And he made a mistake. He thought he could ride the tiger. And he ended up, you know, allowing the tiger to bite him. And, um, and he will have to do a lot of explaining after this war is over. And um, and I can tell you um, that right now we're putting all those discussions behind the Israeli public you know we're united. Yeah. it's inspirational to see how people are responding, the resolve and the resilience just unbelievable. There was a, a mile long line people standing to give blood the other day. Wow it's insane what we see uh, but uh, but I I don't think um, I don't think that uh, you know, the situation will go back to what used to be. I don't think so.
0: I hope not. Well, I hope our resolve as an ally will also sustain because not so much... People like me have always been there with you. I mean, look, I worked, as I mentioned, Bud McFarland and I were on one of the early delegations going back into Egypt to try to bring stability. Dr. London, your friend, my friend, went over shortly after, and we've worked very hard to find a path to stability for your country, in conjunction with uh, the Arab allies, which we've invested a great deal in as well. So I'd like to believe our resolve as allies will will pay off. But I think we recognize at this point that, unfortunately, there's going to be a requirement for combat operations to prevent another one of these events. And again, I've never been one to seek combat. I've been in it. I've uh, experienced it, wrote a book about it. But um, I think we all seek peace. Ambassador, I, 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 I believe we all would love to see a, a peaceful Israel where people can come and enjoy the, um, the amazing beauties and bounty of your country. So I'm, I'm hoping we all can really work to that goal. So um, Ambassador so H- Hironi, uh, where can people find out more about you and what you're doing right now? Any, any links or uh, uh, anything you'd like to have us talk about?
1: Well, you know, I teach at the university level, uh, be- people can simply just Google my name and I have a YouTube channel with some videos and so we'll on. promote that. Yeah, we'll promote that. Yeah. Um, I, um, you know, just, uh, happily retired until this thing happened. Hmm. Um, you know, but now we're here and we have to win that, that fight. Well,
0: we're with you. Thank you for being here today on The Hard Truth, and
1: uh, thank you.
0: Uh, thank always you think so about much. coming back if there's things you want to talk about. Obviously, uh, we want to have current information for the American audience to better understand. You've, you've provided some amazing detail of things people probably did not understand about this, and it's important for uh, our, us to actually help you in an informed way. So, Ambassador, thanks for being here, and we'll have you again. Thank and, uh, you. Listen. Thank you so thank you. much. And thank you for uh, joining us for the first part of The Hard Truth. We'll be back with part two.
2: It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month
3: of One Wellness. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous. For a powerful virus hostile nasal solution and now we have a throat spray too crush those nasty germs before they become a problem with known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine xylitol and vitamin d3 you can feel a little safer for a limited time when you add the new cofix rx throat spray to your order you'll receive 25 percent off the entire purchase just click the cofix rx banner on the america out loud website or store be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, Loud 25 at checkout. This
2: is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. For 25 years, Global Healing has
4: proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of
2: your health naturally. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose?
3: America AmericaOutloud.news, liberty and justice for all.
0: Hey, this is the hard truth of Tony Schaefer, part two. We are still powered by six hour, never settle. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I always carried the best, the best six hour, and today I've got my M18 version. It's got the uh, the uh, f- the steel frame. It's not a steel. It's it's uh, some sort of an alloy frame. Uh, great weapon. Highly recommend it. Uh, if I were you, and I'm not, but I, if I were you, I would definitely get a Sig hour because it is the best. It's what I carry and highly recommend. And we are on the America Out Loud podcast network and talk radio network two for one and check us out at project sentinel project sentinel.com.net and uh we're on facebook twitter youtube rumble etc cetera, etc cetera. and so i'm joined by the indomitable and beautiful elizabeth Breckencamp, and the ever inquisitive uh the takamata you can't talk him out of anything uh-huh. you know, nobody Chris expects Cordani. the spanish inquisition that's right the inquisition water what show. show oh Well, you know, it is ironic. The Inquisition was another targeting of of those of the Jewish faith, and here we are talking about Hamas, which was a targeting Mm -hmm. of the Jewish faith. So, you know,
5: Uh, the conversation you had with uh, Ambassador Aroni was rather interesting. Yes, and mainly because he was he is there. He is in Israel. He is he lives near. He lives near a couple of. uh, He's surrounded by a couple of uh, Palestinian run villages. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. he hears the imams out there out there uh, celebrating this and and preaching about what happened, uh, railing against Israel, which is what we're seeing here from some of our so-called leaders as well. Uh, I wouldn't say leaders. I should say pencil pushers because that's what legislators generally are anyway. Still, they have a voice Mm -hmm. and they're loud. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, they're policymakers and they they make very bad policy. And arguably Mm -hmm. that was one of the points that the ambassador I spoke about is kind of the bad policies let's put it in context before I get into the, our, our friends on the left and their comments. Um, basically the current situation came out of the Oslo two accords from 1995, 1995. It was mm-hmm. signed by, uh, I think it was Menachem Begin was it Begin and uh, 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 Yasser Arafat and his wearing the tablecloth. Uh, at least I think <laughs> it was a tablecloth, right? With a uh, bill. I feel your pain, Bill Clinton on the white house lawn. So, uh, that was the kind of the, the foundation. And and let's face it, it was kind of a two state solution without saying it was a two state solution. They got the West bank and they got the Gaza strip. So it is what it is. The intention was, I believe, and I said, to the ambassador. Yeah. You kind of had two States. Y'all live in peace and work things out. You'll be fine. It'll be fine. Well, it wasn't fine because, you know, they got rid of Yasser Arafat. PLO went away, got the, uh, basically the, um, the the whole um, Palestinian authority. And then they had mm-hmm. the elections and the ambassador alluded to the elections, I guess, in 2006. Well, right after Hamas came to power in 2006 through elections we forced on them, think about that, mm. there's been a blockade. There's been a blockade of the Gaza Strip because, gee, terrorists, you know, and we don't want you killing our citizens and I don't blame them. But we kind of helped set up the situation and by by doing that, we now have knuckleheads who want to continue to make the situation worse. And uh, let's see what some of the co- current comments are. Rashid Talib <laughs> refused 10 times in a row to condemn the depravity of the murder of Israeli children to include babies being beheaded. Yeah, so I guess
5: we, we haven't heard a peep out of her in a long time either. She's usually a major loudmouth. We haven't heard from her in months now. Now she has to catch attention by hanging that Palestinian flag by her door. Yeah, her exactly. right. yeah. yeah.
0: So and and I encourage our audience to go back and check out that picture because right next to it is the gay pride flag. That little hint, uh, gays aren't accepted by the Arabs, especially those in the of the persuasion of extremism.
3: That uh, is so true. Last time
0: I checked, they murder gays and lesbians. So they do. Uh, it's it's a true, like, are you kidding me moment? You've got the the Hamas flag with the gay and lesbian flag. It's that's kind of like it's kind of like having, uh, I don't know, um, William Defoe in the same room with Mickey Mouse. I don't think there's just a non sequitur there. You know, it just doesn't seem to go together. So I I don't get it.
5: I was just thinking of uh, putting a Z, a Xi Jinping and Winnie the Pooh in the same room, but I think that uh, is not a non sequitur. So don't
0: worry about that. No, me. they're <laughs> they like bears, so to speak. I guess. Oh, oh, that's gonna hurt. Anyway, <laughs> so. So uh, speaking of bears, let's talk about a Democrat representative, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who could not denounce, and actually, actually, I, I think at one point said it was okay for Hamas to, to do a pro-Hamas protest on in, in New York. So just saying, I think there's a lot of folks who are the Jewish persuasion in her district. That's not going to go over well. Did mm-hmm. you hear the
5: chants? Nope. Elizabeth, huh? did you hear the chants? Tony, did you hear them as well? There was the uh, the chants were out of this protest, if you will. Oh, yes, rally, I did, yeah, from the river to the sea. The mm-hmm. idea is for the Palestinians to take over the entire land, yeah. That's mm-hmm. something we have to catch, and these are the things we have to notice,
4: yeah. And, and it makes me wonder why would they chant that? It makes me think they're truly, truly ignorant of the history of Israel. It's like, why do so many, I mean, thank goodness, not all our leaders are like this, but so many leaders do think that Israel doesn't have a right to their own land. It's like, why? I mean, look at all the other countries. Does North Korea have a right to their own land? Does Ukraine have a right to their own land? You know, I mean, it's like, why wouldn't Israel have a right to their own land? What, what is it about that that offends them so much? And it makes me think they're, um, they must be completely ignorant of the history of, of Israel. Well, they are
0: because yeah. they're, they're, they're Marxists. If you look at what they're doing, Hamas is a Marxist organization. It is what oh. it is. That's why you have the Democratic Socialists and BLM all in for supporting them. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about that for a second, and right. I'll continue. Let me go through, the, let me finish with the representatives here first. Uh, Il, Representative Ilyan Omar, Ilhan. who was a. I I have pretty much nothing good to say about her since uh, she says some people <laughs> did something on 9 11. Some people did something as if she didn't know what that was. And then uh, Kojak. Ariana Presley, right. Presley, right. Uh, mm-hmm. you know who loves your baby, uh, mm-hmm. uh was uh, unable to denounce Hamas, and of course, Corey Bush. Not, re- I don't think she's related to George Bush, is she? Do you think so?
4: I don't think so. I don't think so. I
0: don't, I don't think so. I, I, I
4: see a connection there.
0: I don't know. I don't know. They they have very similar policies in some areas. Anyway, and then uh, Jamal, uh, I've never seen a fire uh fire alarm. I didn't like uh, <laughs> Bowman. So, Boom. You know, <laughs> you, it's like he sees one of those, and it's like his hands just start creeping over. It's like, oh, I got it. I got to touch that. Reach <laughs> out, reach out <laughs> touch the light, and then uh, Senator Markey, Ed Markey, who I know is brother, uh, and I'm actually considering friends. Ed Markey being. Uh, it, it, by the way, just for the record, uh, Ed Markey's brother is not insane. Ed Markey is insane. Just saying. That. And let's, let's hope it doesn't run in the family. So, because, Good
4: clarification. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's like, man, uh, calling for, quote-unquote, de-escalation. Really? You you murder a bunch of people, and it's like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's like, it, okay, sure. Right. And, and these people
5: are calling for And here's another thing. I was, I was listening to the EU's uh, chief. I always forget his name, Jared. Uh, the EU's chief uh, foreign minister. He was he was yammering on about, well, Israel has the right to self-defense, but they shouldn't do it without uh, by they shouldn't disobey international law. And they were yeah, kind of right. railing on that. Uh, yeah. I mean, we should get that two state solution. Uh, the Palestinians need need to live. It shouldn't be bombing. It's almost like they ignore what Hamas actually. Let's just ignore those five thousand rockets.
0: Yeah, let's ignore those five thousand rockets they fired under the radar to avoid uh, iron they, dome.
5: They deliberately, they deliberately attacked uh, citizens, regular people, women and children, and mm-hmm. and, and elderly people right. mainly. This is an issue. They did not try to fight combatants. So that's mm-hmm. something that I believe a lot of these so-called uh, commentators and, and, and the EU's foreign ministry and another so-called leaders or, or those who are speaking out for Hamas, if you will, seem to conveniently ignore.
0: So to um, look Point there's a great deal of history that's being ignored. So I went through all of the cu- the current circumstance. But Elizabeth, as I recall, Egypt kicked the Jews out of Egypt, right? And uh, that's a long time ago. But I'm
4: talking about Moses, Moses,
0: yeah. yeah, yes, right. Am I am I missing yeah.
4: something? So, so it's not exactly that Egypt um, the Pharaoh kicked them out. It's that um, they um, the Egyptians had made the Israelites slaves. Right. And God had called Moses. He said, you know, lead, lead my people out. Um, But it took a long time because Moses kept going back to the Pharaoh and saying, you know, it kept kind of like basically pleading with the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh wouldn't do it. You know, so God kept sending down plagues of, you know, frogs, uh, pestilence, famine, all these different things until finally Pharaoh gave in and let them. So it's not exactly like Egypt kicked them out. It's more like they finally relented and said, "Okay, Moses, take all your people, get out of here." Yeah. yeah.
0: There did, we go. Did you know the most severe punishment God did to the Egyptians? Um he he gave them algebra. That the algebra is
4: uh, oh my god! a
0: fraud and, and perpetrated on the on the world by
4: uh, oh my god! I always liked math. I
5: I I loved algebra. I did very well in that class. I I, was I like algebra, guy. but
4: trig. No,
5: didn't like trig. No. I, I like math so much. I trig. had tape in the middle of my glasses. And was music. was he was he a football player? Trig. I <laughs> think <laughs> wasn't that that frog on the on the on the sugar Smacks box?
4: Okay, should I say trigonometry anyway?
0: okay all
4: right.
5: all
0: right anyway she's but you were right elizabeth i think people tend to forget that the jews have as much right to be there as anyone because last time yeah. i checked the pharaoh did not have the palestinians there he had the jews there and the jews were there long before the palestinians so i'm sorry anybody who says the jews don't belong don't understand history especially the history of of, of god the bible and everything else that we hold dear and there i guess that's part of it because hamas uh, radical Islam, they could care less about anything relating to the Bible because you know they rewrote the book themselves. Muhammad did. Uh,
3: mm-hmm. there's a
0: whole range of things we could talk about that at some point regarding Muhammad and right. how he took Jews to write the Quran, which is an, another interesting story that we could get into. Yeah,
4: one. and you know, and and um, Aharano, if I say his name correctly, he was mentioning you know, like the, the ground forces versus uh attacking by air, yeah, and I was thinking that makes sense. To me, I mean, when you actually look at the physical terrain of Jerusalem and where Gaza is, Gaza. that makes that just makes sense to me.
0: It's going to be a you tough. Know. It's going to be a tough fight. I mean,
4: an air attack makes way more sense. I mean, we need call
0: need it, have you been to Manhattan, Elizabeth? Not Manhattan. No. Have you been to Manhattan, Chris? I I go there regularly. I'm so at least you can imagine you. trying to bring, uh, say, you know, a, a uh, an army brigade to the streets of Seventh uh, Avenue. It'd be tough. It would be tough. Mm-hmm. And, they, might
5: anyway. they might get mugged.
0: They might get mugged.
5: There we go. They probably, that's right. Chances are it could happen. Chances are, though, we do have to get Tony's takes in. Oh, and that's here we go. Random. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And Tony's takes, of course, is powered by Sig Sauer. Never mm-hmm. settle. Never settle. I want to on the subject, though, because in the wake of the Hamas attack on Israel,
0: mm-hmm.
5: perhaps we should take a look at our own borders and Biden's yeah. come on in y'all policy. Uh, mm-hmm. There were some te- people on the terror watch list that were captured, but considering the number of what they call gotaways, never liked that as far as uh, proper English, but I'm, I'm just going to give it there, give it to them. The idea is there; it's likely many more have slipped through.
0: So we're talking about 10 to 1. For every one that they observe uh, and 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 interact with, there are 10 coming across that we don't know about. Uh, mm-hmm. And that unfortunately includes, uh, I think the members of Congress we're talking about were some, at some point gotaways, right? I think they all are because man, mm-hmm. they, they cannot be I Americans so. based on their policies. But no, I think it's a bad thing. It's, it's something that we have to recognize that there's huge vulnerabilities within our system. Um, one of the things I've talked about in recent interviews that our audience probably saw was the gun-free zones that we have here in the United States. Uh, many of the big cities, New York in particular, it's a gun-free mm-hmm. zone. I, I don't know. Can you imagine, Chris? Oh, as a matter of fact, let me let me state this for the record because I was there one day. One day I was there at the Excela Lounge and uh, the old ver the old one there at uh, at, at um, Penn Station. Someone near one of the exits knocked over a sign. You know, one of those big old. It's a sign about I don't know, uh, waist high with a metal thing. Someone knocked it over and it fell over and it fell over and it sounded like a gun going off. Do you know what mm-hmm. happened next?
4: Oh, no. What happened? Nothing. People
0: panicked. People were running because they thought someone had a gun and shot it off. And, and I mean, literally, I'm sitting there watching people run for their lives. Now, let me ask you a question: What if you had one guy, say a Hamas terrorist, who decided he was going to go shoot things up for real? What would happen to all of these gun-free zones? And not only there, we're talking about every major metro- metropolitan area airport. There's an area, a gun-free zone between the TSA gate, where you have to go through and get checked, Mm. and the the road. Uh, I've seen airports, especially during holidays, where you literally have a 1,000 people in the queue, completely unarmed, vulnerable. So I'm just saying that based on what we know regarding what happened with Hamas, do do we really think that people... With evil intent, aren't looking at these targets and trying to put people through the southwest border?
4: Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. Exactly.
5: Let's go on. We do have more Tony's takes for us here, and this is something. Let, let's go a little off here
0: because this is this is annoying. Michigan's more off house of and Trig. Me. Who was? Did you date Trig Long? <laughs> this was
4: a short-lived kind of thing. It was a love hate relationship. Oh date? boy!
5: <laughs> Michigan's House of Representatives approved a hate speech bill designated HB four, four, seven, four. It's aiming to criminalize words that cause someone to get this to feel threatened, including the misuse of pronouns. The Mm -hmm. problem is weak lefties feel threatened by a plethora of things, like, like Mm -hmm. spelling, math, mean tweets, wrong pronouns, proper grammar. And of course people who hunt.
0: What's your take? So I feel threatened by the word hemorrhoid, but I don't think we should make that illegal. This thing. I mean, there's a number I, of I think trigger we should words. The actual hemorrhoids. Um, let's see what else. Uh, I think the the word um, spastic that makes me nervous. You know, it's, a, <laughs> it's just I don't know about. It's like wow, wow.
4: Here's a word that I don't like: probe. Probe.
0: Yeah. Man, that's an offensive word. If I've ever heard one, why don't we make that a part of uh, well, damn
4: aliens coming down yeah. trying to
0: probe us? No an alien probe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I, of course, one of them, I I I was offended the other day when I found out Tony Blinken's college nickname was Spanky Banana. I, that offends me that anybody would have that name, Spanky Banana. For can you imagine? Can you picture that? I don't I, think so. I,
4: I, oh, I I'm can't. offended.
0: I'm offended by. I'm, I'm 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 offending myself by using that word. Should, I, should I turn myself rent. in? Yeah, yeah, there we go.
4: Yeah, it's amazing though they actually got that passed. Right. <laughs> I mean, they did officially get it passed. I.
0: This is insane. There should be no restrictions on language. If if something offends you, don't listen. If,
5: right. if you don't want your Choose kids to channel. listen,
4: Walk turn channel. Walk away. It off.
5: Yeah, or, or yeah. just just don't bother with the conversation. I, I mean, this, we're talking about people in, in regular conversation. If they wind up misgendering somebody, we're talking fines. What were the numbers here? I'm uh, looking at the numbers here. Uh, yeah. Offenders could face severe consequences, like uh, prison time and ten thousand, or maybe ten thousand bucks fine. Just because hmm. some kid wants to feel special and make everybody uh, call them Z-zer or
0: star self or something silly like that. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, what's the penalty for misgendering tapioca and rice pudding? Is there something in there for that? Because that's pretty serious. You, you, I, if, you believe, if you offend rice, it's all over. So.
5: I believe it's the nose in the book penalty.
4: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Not I... the nose in the book penalty. <laughs> The pronouns, I don't remember what state it was in, but someone recently uh, was caught for committing a crime. The evidence was there, but the judge um, had to um, had to dismiss it all because the guy, girl, whoever it was, complained that their lawyer had uh, misgendered them, called them the, ro- the wrong pronoun. Wow. I wish I could tell you where that was, but uh, yeah, I read that was very recent, like in the last week. It's like, are you? freaking kidding me that's yeah the person was dismissed because their lawyer called him the wrong pronoun like well what are we gonna do about
0: the planets i'm offended by the planet uranus
4: yes yeah, is it uranus or is it uranus either exactly. way that's offensive
0: it's offensive uh-huh. it's offensive, it's offensive. Let's, <laughs> let's let's yeah. call nasa let's call nasa and complain
5: well, or is well, it nasa it's in the <laughs> instance of changing the language just because somebody doesn't like it the, the language has to be changed it's annoying all right i'm sorry these I'm people offended. are annoying
0: I'm offended. Yes, Look, uh, I'm sorry, Chris, chili. Uh, chili Chili's not chili. It's hot. Chili. You know, if I walk outside on a brisk morning in in, in December, it's chili. Uh, uh-huh. I'm offended by the fact that you call something chili. That's not cold. How is this possible? What
5: else? Yeah. Can we do? I
4: eat it. It burns my mouth. What right. the heck? It
0: burns, it burns
5: my mouth. <laughs> so it should be called hottie. But then that would, of course, offend some people. No,
0: we have a hottie. That's Elizabeth. So there no, you go. Thank they
5: certain- you. I yeah. it was me. See,
4: go. and I'm not offended. It's like, See, that's a, it's
0: a good thing. That's right. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. So all right. Well, anyway. so speaking of, of, of not so good things, the show is done. We're done for another session of The Hard Truth. Aww. So uh, we, we appreciate everybody joining us for this uh, uh, action-packed episode where we actually talk about uh, policy with Ambassador Aroni uh ito was a, a great guest i think he provided uh, some great context and plus he's there he's there he's actually
4: there yeah he's listening so, to it every day and every night
0: right and so uh it's been great having elizabeth and chris here again uh, we'll see you all again next week for the hard truth be sure and tune in and see us then